Welcome, uh, everyone out there in the lovely internet world to another edition of uh, uh, Half-Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. I'm your lovely co-host this evening with my good friend Kip Fisher. Down there in uh, what I finally, or what finally looks to be very comfortable, very warm Florida winter. Yes, the Florida, actual Florida winter has returned. Um, we were still about... 32, 33 degrees this morning, but got up about 75 by afternoon. So right now it feels great out here. Ah, not uh, not too shabby. We uh, we hit 35 today. So I and I thought that was beautiful because it was sunny. I could drive with my window cracked and it was lovely. So I think that's beautiful because it wasn't here. <laughs> well, it's good to talk to you, man. I know we've talked a lot this week, and it's. Uh, it's been nice to communicate with you when it hasn't had to have had hasn't had to have been so rushed and uh, hectic. Although we we did kind of focus most everything on the show and what we're going to do to move forward, but it's uh, it's always good to have something you're so passionate about and that you en- enjoy so much that doesn't seem like work, even if we are talking about it. Absolutely, and to be honest, I'm just thankful I don't have to have my wind block here beside me tonight. <laughs> To bring back in the Florida winter discussion. Well, I, uh, I, I, I'm excited about a lot when it comes to this show. So I guess I'm, I'm a little biased. I, you know, it seems. But uh, tonight I am excited for our cigar of the week. It, uh, it's a live show. It's my first uh, live show being able to feature a cigar that I'm passionate about and that I love so much. And so uh, tonight's uh, companion cigar is going to be the Ramoniones. Uh, Eminencia from 2005. This uh, this bad boy is probably my favorite box of cigars that I have. You uh, you you did smoke uh, one of the versions earlier in the week, right? Yes, I did. I actually smoked it on a clean palate, unlike tonight. But good. Nice. And I uh, I sent you the picture of it. You can see I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yes, sir. I uh, I'm looking forward to tonight. I need to still cut and light my cigar, but uh, I have a bit of a predicament that I didn't I didn't mention to you earlier. But my torch is in my car. My soft flame is pretty much out of fluid, and so I'm left with butane and cedar and a flint. And so I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to play with a little bit of fire here to get my Eminencia lit. So I'll tell you what, I, have, I don't have the video up. Have you uh, lit yourself up yet? I have not. I'm about to. I just clipped it, and that was that noise you heard interrupting you while you were talking. Oh, it's uh, it's no problem for me. I didn't even notice. The uh, first year we went to CFC down in the Dominican, uh, I, we, of course, flew down and didn't know all the tips and tricks that we are now carrying out to get torches in and out of the country. Um, so we showed up with our handy-dandy dicks, and we're hanging out at the Chateau, and Carlito didn't have a lighter, and he asked for a lighter, and I had to give him my 69-cent bic to light his opus with and felt kind of weird about it. <laughs> well, you didn't have to give him anything, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. The man had to light his cigar. All right, let's see if I can burn my eyebrows off. You ready for this? Uh, I just pay good money to see that. Oh, it went out too soon. That's a shame. I'm gonna <laughs> have to put it on my uh, on the cedar and just go that direction. But Dave Zach is raising his hand right now. 
<laughs> Sorry, folks. I uh, apologize for this slightly less than uh, beautiful method of lighting this beautiful cigar, but if you give me a moment, I'll take a few puffs here. Well, while you're doing that, uh, I don't know if you can see this on the camera, but the, this this one did the same thing as the first one. I was amazed at how quickly, easily, and evenly this thing took fire. I mean, just right across the surface, the whole thing just went aglow. I mean, it's just a really fine, fine ash. <laughs> Not half-ashed, full-ashed? Exactly. Despite my half-ashed ways, it still produced a full-ash. Your half-ashed ways? I tried to put liquid butane on my dining room table in my smoking room and light it. Uh, that, that's That's pretty half-ashed, actually, I have to say. All right, well, I'm going on this bad boy, looking forward to uh, to the smoking experience and uh, getting into a little bit. But um, I'll talk a little bit about this cigar. A lot of you probably aren't um, intimately familiar with this stick. It's one that I've uh, been lucky enough to have in my humidor for seven seven years or so. Um, I I'm absolutely a fan of the Ramonionis, um blend. I think it's it. It probably is the um, the perfect all-around cigar blend, in my opinion. It has got the 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 hard tobacco-based or typical flavors that you might expect. Um, things like tobacco and spice and earth and and a little bit of leather, uh, and then it also has a lot of sweeter, softer flavors like uh, a floral note, very nutty, um, sweet, spicy, citrus. Uh, there's there's a lot of balance that goes along with this cigar, and it really is um, unique in how it all comes across. So I've certainly classified myself as a Ramonionis whore for quite some time. Uh, you've got your Arturo Fuente, I've got RA, and um, this cigar is uh, is a good addition to my uh, uh, to my collection. So so I feel pretty privileged smoking the cigar you would call the perfect cigar blend. I, I, yeah, I, I don't regret that. That's, uh, that's a pretty accurate statement for me. Um, so this Vitola, the Eminencia, it's been produced once. Um, well, this, this size for Ramonionis. It's a 5 and 5 eighths by 44. So just slightly skinnier than a, a traditional Corona Gorda. Um, there's a little bit of history to this cigar, or uh, I guess reason for it being um, the regional edition release. So, in 2004, Abano Sase, the essentially the um, the distribution uh, head or marketing head of the Cuban cigar market, um, started a trend that they continue on today, and that is uh, releasing certain cigars to regional markets around the world. Um, the initial releases. Uh, are now actually infamous in the uh, the cigar world. Um, the Vega Robena, uh, Jubileum, uh, and I just can't help myself. I have to take a puff in mid-sentence. And the uh, the re-release, the first re-release of the Boulevard Gold Medal, um, those were released to the market in 2004 and were just absolutely epic cigars. Truly great representations of um, their their mark, uh, the blend of their mark, and um, this Ramonionis was a regional release the next year in 2005, specifically for the Swiss market. So 
Um, the Swiss distributor commissioned these uh, as a, a unique size to their Monionis blend. There's typically only thick and thin cigars. There's not kind of this uh, middle ground for Ramonionis. They had, um, at this time, they had the Petit Corona and Corona, and even some smaller Chico-sized, maybe Legito number three um, size cigars that they offered in a 42 or smaller ring gauge. Then they had the larger ones, the 49 and the 50, which were the Double Corona or the Robusto. Um, so this, this Corona Gorda was a welcome addition, kind of smack dab in the center of... Uh, um, uh, of the sizes, so it uh, it's it's nostalgic in its packaging in that it's the first Ramonionis in decades to ac- actually come out in a slide lid box, a cabinet, um, and it has a second band on it that you can see if you happen to be watching the video. It says Edition Regional, um, and it's it really, in my opinion, upholds the tradition of um, what the 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 jube and the gold medal started um, in that these regional editions were truly special releases of the uh, um, of the brand that they were or the blend that they were representing. So that's uh, that's kind of your you know your encyclopedic history for this cigar, and it brings us to where we are today. I picked these up in 2005 or 2006, and uh, uh, from the two boxes I originally had, I, I've got. Less than half of one left, so, so love them. I, I may have missed something there. I, I, I got a little uh, interested in the chat room for just a second. But uh, now uh, this size, now I'm, if I understand right, they put out these regional specials annually. Is this mm-hmm. a regular production? Do they do this size always or just a different size every year? How these put out? No, it's uh, that's actually a unique question. Um the regional distributors, either country or, um, you know, in some cases it's continent or whatever it may be, those distribution companies uh, or distribution organizations will actually commission whatever they want. Um, so there's been some famous cigars from years past that have been re-released as a regional edition because some distributor said, you know, I'd really love to, you know, there was a Bolivar Lancero, um, roughly a Lancero, that was re-released four or five years ago, uh, which was thought of as such a truly epic cigar that was incredibly rare in the 60s and 70s. Um, there's also been kind of more normal cigars. You know, hey, there wasn't a, a Bellicoso or a, a or Torpedo in the Ramonionis brand. So in 2005, the British uh, distributor commissioned a Bellicoso. So there's been some nostalgia to it. Uh, hey, let's bring this old cigar back. And then there's also been this, hey, we've never had that size. Let's go make this size in this cigar. It really is whatever you're willing to pay for and agree to terms of purchasing. So, Well, this size is right up my alley. I mean, I, I'm a Corona Robusto kind of guy. I don't dig these 60 ring gauge things that are kind of all the rage these days. You know, I don't, I don't have a mm-hmm. beat with them. It's just not my groove. Yeah, yeah. Last well, week back into the '60s there for a minute, didn't I? <laughs> well, I, uh, I I would agree with you. This is probably on the larger end of the cigar. I prefer. Um, I'm not a big robusto guy personally. I, I smoke a lot of petite coronas. Um, we were just mentioning before we went live on the broadcast that you know a petite corona if smoked kind of at the tempo the cigar would uh, um, would 
I guess naturally want to be smoked at, <laughs> um, should last you an hour and a half or so. I mean, you can definitely get a lot of a lot of an experience out of a PC or a plain Corona. So, you know, something like this, I, I wouldn't doubt if this cigar can last us the whole show. Yeah, um, and, and I'm right there with you. And I, I think back on something Dale Ralph said a couple years ago that a cigar will tell you when it's finished. Yeah. And I think they tend to tell you they're finished a lot earlier if you puff on them too quickly, too hard, or too big. They um, they, they tend to get harsh for me anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I I completely agree with that. I uh, um, I think that's actually one of the reasons why I like smaller cigars. Um, I it's more comfortable in my mouth, so I feel like it's much more of a natural puff. A larger cigar, I have to think about puffing it um, because I don't just hold it in my mouth. I don't just want it there, or I don't just naturally leave it in my mouth and can talk around it. A smaller cigar, it's much more comfortable. It doesn't become, uh, you know, it doesn't impede what I'm doing, maybe, is the way to put it. Yeah. But, hmm. I love these bad boys. They're, uh, there's a lot to them, a lot of complexity, a decent amount of strength, a nice body. It's terrific on the finish. It doesn't uh, kill my palate. Um, and as I said, I'm just a sucker for the blend as a whole. I really like how it comes across. So uh, I'll be... Looking forward to uh, the rest of the show, so we can kind of follow this progression here. Yeah, you can put me away from this long enough to talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, what are your thoughts on this bad boy? I've yapped on long enough in the beginning. Uh, I like it. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I like it. Oh, well, great! This will be a perfect thirty-five minute show tonight. No, no, no. I, I didn't <laughs> I made a few notes uh, earlier in the week when I smoked the other one. Um, just from an outward appearance, the construction was just perfect. Uh, you know, the first one was a little tighter draw than I normally would just fall in love with. Uh, this one's just spot on, though, tonight. Um, you know, no tight spots, no no voids or, or soft spots or anything like that. Um, before I lit it, had a very faint, faint, weak um, wrapper aroma, a little bit more at the foot, kind of almost cedary, uh, a little sweet. Uh, but the thing I really picked up on the first one, and this one may have been a little tainted by the fact that I had a cigar in my mouth lit 30 seconds before this one, uh, but the, the initial pulls on both of them were, were not sour in a bad sense, kind of a tart kind of sourness, a sweet and sour kind of interplay there that, that was neat. Um, I even, I'm looking at my notes right now. Even, you know, I said on the first one about how amazed I was at how well it lit, how easily it lit. I, um, I don't know, whatever if i got to say. A little bit of white pepper early on rather than a black pepper or a, you know, a hot pepper. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with white pepper. If you're not, go to your grocery store and get some. <laughs> Because you'll find you'll find that quite a bit in a cigar anyway, or I do. Um, hmm. Kind of that uh, that sweet and sour thing is, you know, my experience with with uh, Cuban cigars is extremely limited. You know, I, I have never had very many at all. But this the sweet and sour flavor that I get early on is what I uh, would I think of when I think of Cubanesque flavors in a cigar. Hmm. You know, I would. That's a 
<clears throat> I, I've said it before on the show, and this is only our fifth episode, so it's uh, making me slightly embarrassed that maybe I'm going to become a broken record, but I love reviewing a cigar in tandem with someone else because of exactly what what you just said. Sweet and sour is... It, it is the overwhelming flavor in this cigar. If you kind of take what the experience is... Um, what the, all of the smoke reminds you of, rather than kind of picking it apart to get different flavors or different aspects of it. If you take one puff, that's what it tastes like. It, t- it tastes like dipping your finger in in good quality sweet and sour sauce um, it, that maybe you've even made on your own or something. It it has that kind of overwhelming full palate stimulation where it's it's sweet, it's sour, it's savory, it's it's slightly spiced. It's it's really unique. You're you're right, and I never would have gotten that until you said it. it well, I saw a, a a video with um, Jose Blanco not too long ago, and, and and it was a clip from one of his seminars. He does his tasting seminars, and he was saying, you know, you you have very few actual uh, perceptions you get in a flavor. It's a combination of those that will remind you of a very specific flavor, but you know, sweet, sour, bitter, you know, salty, those kind of things are the, the basic elements of flavor are really what you're getting. It's just the, the way that, that, they, that a cigar impacts you at any given time that calls to mind some memory of some food or flavor that, you, that you've had in the past. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I was lucky enough to uh, be able to attend one of those tasting seminars from Jose uh, while he still was uh, with La Aurora. And um, I really, really enjoyed the whole experience, and he's got some great perspective. I really recommend that, you know, if there are listeners out there who have the chance to go to a, a store when Jose's there, uh, just go and pick his brain. What a what a tobacco mind. No no doubt about it. I mean, just a really unique guy. That's a great way. That's a, that's a great point as to how, um, how much he can bring to the experience. He just said something like that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Most of my tasting notes are, are more what I'm reminded of rather than what I definitively can taste, you know? Um, that's unique. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I have not met him in person. I've corresponded a few times online and whatnot, but uh, it, it is clear how knowledgeable the guy is with tobacco. Mm-hmm. Very passionate. At times, hot-headed and passionate, which is... Uh, I love I love it when people let their guard down in this industry and and just just be real and uh, Jose is that guy definitely. Well, we uh, we can sit here and yap on about this specific cigar all night long, or we can uh, kind of have in the interlude some some industry news. You want to uh, kind of kick us off here with the uh, first item that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, if I can chip chip on you and go to a different item. Oh sure, yeah, go right ahead. Since you uh, mentioned Jose's earlier employer, they, they have a new cigar coming out. Um, actually, probably, they're going to have a few come out this year, but the one that kind of caught my uh, attention this week was uh, the Guillermo Leon 15-minute break uh, from La Aurora. And uh, a few things jumped out at me with that that cigar anyway. Uh, one is a small size. It's 3.5 inches by 42. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we were just talking about how long a cigar will burn, and and that we both were amazed that somebody could even smoke even that small a cigar in 15 minutes. You know, I guess you had some some ideas about the blend and whatnot, and, and I'll go ahead and give that before you uh, 
mention that, but the it has an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, not Habano. It's IQ. <laughs> um, and the binder, it says Cameroon and Dominican Republic Corojo binder. And I'm going to assume that means there are two binders on this cigar. Hmm. And here's the surprising part for me. The, the filler is listed as Peru, Brazilian, Dominican Republic, and Nicaraguan. And I just was dumbfounded that they get four, at least four leaves in the filler with a cigar that already has two binders and a wrapper and a 42 ring gauge. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would have to say that's uh, that just sounded like somebody was sitting in a back room with a you know a, a crazy grin on their face, going, "What else can we put in here? What else can we put in here?" I uh, I don't know if somebody forgot to hit the edit button or what, but I'm looking forward to uh, to trying a cigar with seven, six or seven different types of tobacco in it. At uh, that'll be interesting. Well, you know the um, I, I people say this and you hear it, and but we witnessed it firsthand in CF, at CFC that the little man that rose the Opus um, Lanceros. There are seven leaves in that little Lancero, and that's kind of hard to believe, but we watched the man do it, and he, and it's rolled into bar. He rolls up each one of those little leaves and somehow gets it all packed into a Lancero. Hmm. Well, he knows what he's doing. There's no doubt about that. Oh, there, there is one man that rolls those cigars, and that's it. There's, uh, I don't know if it's just been more recently with with the fact that the the internet has made nothing sacred any longer. But um, there's a lot of cigars that you look into it. Limited releases, you can find information like that out. Um, the uh, the original Cohiba Bahiques, they were rolled by one woman, Norma Fernandez. The um, oh, there was another uh, there's another Cohiba release that was also rolled by one person alone. And then the the gentleman who rolls the uh, the Opus Lanceros, as you had said, it's it's unique to me that you know something with national or international appeal can all be traced back to that one person um, creating that finished product. It's it's really unique. I know there's hundreds of hands that touch tobacco leaves before they you know uh, are, are smoked by the end user, but it's kind of cool that it all kind of funnels back to him and then back out to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. The, typically, in a, a premium cigar, you're going to have. I mean, from from the time it's a seed to the time it's set on fire, there's over 200 sets of hands going to touch that in, in some way. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing that we can smoke a cigar for four dollars. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, translate that. If we were using an American workforce to do that, and we're going to be paying. <laughs> Three hundred dollars a split. <laughs> yeah, really, It'd be a whole other game. Uh, well, I I think the other the other item that you were alluding to uh, with my thoughts on this Guillermo Leone are um, with you know literally seven different types of tobacco in this cigar, um, and the fact that it's it it really is shooting for that quick experience. Three and a half inches long. It's named the fifteen minute break. Seven different types of tobacco, a double binder, at least it seems. Um, it it kind of makes me think, you know, I wonder if this cigar really doesn't have Lajero in it or it has very limited quantities of Lajero in it. Um, I, I wonder if uh, that double binder has something to do with helping to keep ignition going 
Um, if there isn't that Lajero that's got that oil in it, that'll kind of smolder and allow you to take a minute, two minutes off in between puffs. It, it's a unique thing that I, I wish I had enough practical working knowledge of how a cigar functions to know, yeah, that that's, uh, that's what they're doing. They've got a lot more room for tobacco because they have much thinner tobacco in there. I yeah, know. I know. Um, I know Barry Stein down there at Miami Cigar. I might could pick his brain a little bit about this one. See what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, Barry's a good guy to talk to. I think that would be a smart move to reach out to him. I'd be interested to see what he says. Yeah, he'll, he'll probably say, you know, I, I'm just Barry. I, I just, you know, I, I just talk about the cigars. I'm not the guy who rolls them or comes up with them, but. You know, he. Uh, I could hear him saying some smart aleck comment like that, but either way, I think it'd be fun to listen to him. Yeah, I don't know what he would be willing to share, but I know he would know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a. He is definitely a cigar guy at heart. He, he's. He's not a salesman that happens to work for a cigar company. He's a cigar. No, no you're you're absolutely, you're absolutely right about that. No doubt about it. Gary's Barry's a good guy. <laughs> what did Dale call him? I don't remember. Uh, Frank or yeah. I don't know, Brian? <laughs> I think it was Brian, yeah. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well. Yeah, Brian Stein. <laughs> uh, what else we got on there this week? Oh, not, uh, you know, it, it seems like a bad time to have started a podcast. There's not a lot of, not a lot of stunning news that's uh, coming out in the last month or so, but we got a few items here. Anything that jumps out you want to talk about? Yeah, it's going to be quiet leading up, you know, until, I don't know, May or June. It's going to really heat up with the news and a lot of folks making announcements leading up to IPCPR. Yeah. Uh, we did have the uh, formal announcement of this year's AVO Limited Edition coming out. Um, it's always released somewhere around his birthday, which is in March. And he'll have a series of birthday parties. Uh, he'll have one here in Florida, in Orlando, at uh, Corona. He does that every year. And I don't smoke just a ton of Avos. Uh, I do like some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2009 uh, limited edition he put out, the uh, Compañero, was a fantastic cigar. Um, but you don't exactly see those still on the shelves anymore. And they're... A little pricey. They usually retail in the fifteen or seventeen dollar range, um, but but always, always, always uh, a very good cigar. And I I make it a point to get one or two of them every year at least, just to just to try them. Yeah, yeah. You know, this year they're calling it the the dominant thirteenth. Um, <laughs> so I guess it, it refers to it, it. Many of his tie in in some way to his music. Um, most of you know Avos a a jazz musician, um, and it's also 2013. That's the uh, the uh, what's his? I'm trying to read the press release here. It pays tribute to his musical roots. It's symbolic of the year, and it is the dominant thirteenth chord, whatever that is. I'm not a musician, so I can't tell you. I thought um, it was his thirteenth uh, limited release, actually, but it is. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Yeah, and it's going to have some. Uh, Fancy packaging and whatnot, you know, kind of like a not the uh, piano case that we saw in that anniversary last year, but a uh, case with some musical tie-ins to it. Hmm. Um, and it looks like, yeah, that's about it. I uh, well, I, 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 guess we, yeah, I didn't tell you the makeup of the cigar. Uh, 
Habano once again. Not Habano. <laughs> You know how much crap I take over that? Because I do it all the time. Oh, like, that's awesome. I'm glad you take a lot of crap for it. Uh, Habano 2000 Ecuador wrapper. A Dominican binder. And this is, I, I have not seen this term before. Maybe you can shed some light on it. The, the binder is called a Yamasa. No, I, I know nothing about that. I don't either. And I have not yet have been able to research it and kind of dig up uh, any more information on what that actually is. Um, and the fillers, Dominican and Peruvian. Uh, the Dominican, <laughs> here's a description for the Dominican tobacco and the, the filler. Uh, Peloto, Habano, Seed, Viso, San Vicente, Lijero, Corojo, Olor, Lijero. That sounded closer to the next pope than it did <laughs> Spanish tobacco descriptions. Yeah, that, that is the longest filler tobacco name I've ever seen. <laughs> I think I heard a, a Vincente in there. Uh-huh. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, six, six by 52 Toro, $15 MSRP. I, um, I, you know, I, I'm uh, making light of the situation here, but I, in all actuality, I probably can attribute my uh, fondness for unique cigars or special releases Back to Anavo. Um, in in 2000, when I was really starting to uh, um, really go head over heels, here heels Gaga over cigars. Um, I think that was the year, either 2000 or 2001, was the year that the Avo 75th came out, and I can remember thinking that that cigar was just about the the best cigar I had had ever even. Um, been around, um, man. Oh man, I I loved that stick. I had probably a box and a half of those, and then I was on a waiting list to buy the Avo signatures just because I thought that maybe they might have been that that Avo seventy fifth blend because they looked like identical packaging and colors of the band, and and uh, you know I, I I did the Avo thing for a while, and there's been some really great LEs that they've come out with, and. Um, good cigars all in all. The Avo Maduro back in the day, I loved. It was my favorite Maduro. It's a good company, but you really don't hear a lot about them. You really yeah. don't. Yeah, um, like I said, I don't smoke just a whole ton of them. Uh, Christy, my wife, who very rarely smokes a cigar, maybe once or twice a year, she really likes the Avo XOs uh, mm. quite a bit. Those and the, uh, the Fuente Between the Lines are basically the only two cigars she'll ever pick up. Hmm. Boy, it's a shame that uh, it's a shame that you have to keep the between the lines in your humidor just in case she wants one. <laughs> yeah. Darn, I always have to have some for you, dear. Yeah, there's always a few of those around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know how much crap I'm taking in the chat room right now? Oh, I hope it's for Habano because you did it again in that filler. <laughs> one reciting what? that filler. No. Yeah, you did. Yeah, whatever. That's all right. We'll leave it up to our listeners. Give them another reason to write us an email. Yeah, these live shows, I, I'm going to be all kind of twisted up trying to watch this chat room. <laughs> See, I've got, uh, uh, I was telling Kip before we broadcast, folks, I've got an HP laptop that I'm broadcasting the show from over here on my end. And um, for some reason, I've got a weird driver issue where every time I'm using Chrome, my screen will lock and I don't have... I can't see what it is that's happening on the screen. The image just stays. So I 
I can't have uh, more than the absolute necessity open at once. So I can't have the chat room open and still operate the show. So I, uh, I'll have to hear that you guys are just giving Kip such a hard time because of him. So well, it's going to have to be epic enough that he mentions something on the air. So please keep the gentle ribbing uh, coming and maybe escalate it a couple notches. Here, Here is an actual piece of totally useful information just came out of the chat room thanks to uh, Cigar Coop. That's William Cooper, uh, who we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. He does a fantastic blog, uh, Cigar Coop. Um, if you guys haven't read him, you need to. Uh, he's just one of the good guys. has a strong set of ethics in what he does, and I really appreciate his work. But uh, he well, said, because uh, before you get into that, I'll just say I'm glad Coop's one of the good guys and and does it the right way because then he can take when I say that I still don't agree with his article about uh, <laughs> the IPCPR, the the uh, the uh, um. Consumer Day, so maybe we can debate that one day. We'll get uh, we'll get well on here and and talk a little bit more about that. But all right, yeah. continue. Previous, I have Sorry. actually uh, talked to him, and I, I mentioned that we would like to bring him on, and uh, I think we can make that happen. Good, good. Anyway, he he uh, put in the chat room that Yamasa is a proprietary leaf for Davidoff, something they have come up with. Oh, interesting. Davidoff makes Avo cigars. That uh, that is the case, yeah. I you know I, I should have thought that that was that that was could be attributed to that. I yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I know they do a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. What else we got on here? Oh, we got a lot on here. We uh, let's see. We can get on to that first item. I know Ron Barker, uh, a good friend of ours from back in the dog watch days, and. Uh, certainly uh, affiliated with Panacea Cigars is uh, got a pretty neat event coming up in May here that uh, you've got listed. I think you know I, I'm interested in this just personally. I think it sounds cool. I think our listeners would be as well. Um, uh, it, the tour to Panacea is May 25th through the 27th. It, you know, actually, why don't you run with this one? For some reason, I lit the cedar just when I was starting to talk about this. And I need to touch up my cigar again. So why don't you finish on the tour to Panacea, and I'm going to finish lighting. All right, I'm going to let, let you figure out how to smoke a cigar, and I'll uh, check out this. Oh. Uh, any of the listening folks are in the Pennsylvania or Virginia area and happen to be motorcycle folks. Um, but they're doing what is kind of a cool idea. It's a three-day uh, bike ride through or from Pennsylvania down into Virginia where they do a, a wine and cigar trail where they uh, ride from winery to winery and uh, cigar location to cigar location, just enjoying both uh, as well as uh, riding. I, I'm not a bike rider and not in the Virginia area, but i got to say that sounds like kind of a, a fun trip. I, I've got a, um, a, a gentleman that I know who um, has been in cigar manufacturing for quite some time, um, and he makes a, a really small Figurato. It's three and a quarter inches. Um, and he makes it, and the reason why it's three and a quarter inches is he had a really great customer of his who was a bike rider, but he wore a full face helmet with a visor on it, and three and a quarter inches was the largest cigar that he could smoke in his helmet while he was riding his bike. <laughs> so, yeah, so he uh, he was so dedicated he would still smoke cigars while he was on his motorcycle. Man, that's I don't know. Either you have your cigar out in the wind just going all to pieces and, and burning like a stack and getting harsh and bitter, or it's totally enclosed in your helmet. 
no fresh air whatsoever. I'm not sure there's a happy medium there, but more power to him. Well, he swore that that it worked well. So, you know, I'd always ask him. I mean, could you could you ride like 45 seconds at a time because you had to hold your breath practically, or, or how could you do that? And and he uh, he swore that it worked well. So, kind of a goofy thing. <laughs> kind of like me. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I uh, me and my rat holes. Anyway, if there is anybody up there in the, in that area, uh, the uh, the website is cigarvolant.com, V-O-L-A-N-T-E. Uh, you guys might remember Ron. Uh, he came on Dog Watch quite a bit. I think he was one of their sponsors with Panacea. And seems like they're, uh, I'm not sure how this was set up, but Panacea, I think, also was flatbed cigars. I think that's the, uh, I don't know, one is the parent company of the other, but yeah. We had the Panacea cigars at the Herf last year, and everything we had were well bigger than my normal cigar I would reach for. I think they were all 60-ring uh, cigars, but they tasted great and just not my cup of tea for size. I... um <clears throat> You know, we don't we don't have we don't take sponsorship on this show at this point or we have no no um I was gonna call them investors. We have no investors either, but we have no advertisers, excuse me. Um but uh, uh the Panacea cigar blend is just one from you know, a cigar smoker talking to other cigar smokers that I recommend to you. Um for the unique way that it's blended and the unique way that they understand their cigars. So those those cigars are are classified by the color of the band. So they've got their their red, their blue, their black, and each of those colors represents just a different tweak that they've made to their core blend. It might be a different wrapper. It might be a slightly tweaked binder or filler leaf. Whatever the specific detail is, it's still centered around that core of a blend that they know works for guys who like strong cigars, who like mild cigars, who like hard flavor, soft flavors. They've got this, you know, I'll call it proprietary, um, a blend that they're working with that they explore and experiment with how they can tweak that to make the experience just that much more unique. You know, imagine a, um, imagine a cube that you can look at from one side or the other side, and it's, it's still the same cube. It just might have a different appearance however you look at it. That's how they blend their cigars, and it's such a unique way for me, someone who's such a geek when it comes to to blending and knowing how a cigar can become the experience that you love. Um, I really appreciate that because you can kind of say, well, I like this about your blend, but I don't like that, and then boom, all of a sudden you know that you're going to prefer the the blacks or the blues or the reds, whatever it may be. Um, it's pretty cool. I, I I like it and suggest you, you kind of uh, seek it out for that reason because you can learn a lot about yourself and just when uh, you go and experience, try to experience these panaceas. So it's a pretty cool way of blending. A pretty neat strategy. Yeah, I, I had not ever heard that story. That's, that is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I, just, uh, I remember I like the red, and that's basically all I remember about panacea cigars, I'm sorry to say. I think, um, I actually think Ron's got a, you know, Ron's a talker. Boys and girls, you think I'm a talker? We get Ron on here. Kip and I will just kick back and smoke the cigar. We'll let him run the show. Um, <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. Kip didn't laugh, so now I look like an A, but that's all right. Um, uh, what I mean is that he'll he'll go into a lot of different things. And you mentioned that you 
like the red, it's unique that you just, boom, you remember that it's the red you like. I believe that one of the reasons why he said that they use distinct colors on their bands is because a color is easy for someone to remember. Oh, I think it was blue, or I think it was red. You just, you then know, oh yeah, okay, it was this blend. That's what you like. It's not the, you know, you don't have to remember Widowmaker or Peacemaker or the different names that some of the cigars might have. It's a color. Everybody knows colors, and you can generally remember that easier than you can remember a name. Another really simple, unique thing that they do that I, I uh, think is pretty cool. So. Yeah, well, I guess it's working. It just worked on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I didn't mean to make this a panacea commercial. It's not intended for that. I just, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'll shut up now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else we got on here? Oh, the one I'm excited about. Uh, and you may be less so. <laughs> uh, I believe you're correct. The uh, Room 101 Namakubi. And I can say Namakubi. Although I guess I'm making an assumption that that's the way you pronounce it, so I should probably just keep my mouth shut. But, <laughs> uh, well, you can also say Habano. It just uh, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> now you've made me lose my train of thought. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. The original Namakubi. Uh, I I mentioned this earlier when we were talking a little bit about it, that I tried that 6x60, and like every other 6x60 I've ever tried, just just not my thing. Uh, I tried the Roxo, which is a really small one, little uh, tiny cigar. Didn't care for it. And then I tried the Tiburon and just completely fell in love with that cigar. And still to this day, I have a a sizable stockpile of those because every time I have seen them on the shelf since, I made it a point to buy some more Hmm. uh, because they were a, a limited run. Although they're still on the shelves out there, you can still find them. Um, I, for whatever reason, that size and that cigar just really struck a chord with me, and and love it. And I'm really excited. They're they're putting out a, a an extension to that line, uh, the Namakubi Ecuador, uh, where they're they're changing up the blend a little bit, adding a couple of sizes, uh, uh, keeping uh, one of the smaller ones, I think. Um, dang it, uh, Habano wrapper, uh, <laughs> once again. <laughs> and, uh, the binder says authentic Corojo, which I will make an assumption that is uh, a Camacho thing. I know they're they're big on their Corojo being the authentic Corojo. Um, and the filler is just Honduran and Dominican. Um, but uh, I'm really excited uh, for these cigars to come out uh, just to try them. I hope they're as good as that Tiburon was. Um, and if they are, I will be investing in them heavenly, heavily again. I uh, I yeah, you mentioned that uh, that authentic Corojo is a Camacho thing. It's funny to me that they they use that because um, authentic Corojo is was used in Cuba for sixty years, from the late thirties to the late nineties. That was what Cuban cigar tobacco was. It was all Corojo, and so it's it's just interesting to me that that. Uh, uh, Camacho in the late 90s said, you know, we're going to grow Corojo leaf in Honduras, and it is the authentic Corojo. It's it's just it's just kind of funny because it's not from Honduras, but that's all right. It's good marketing. Yeah, good leaf, best I can tell. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It's definitely good leaf. 
I'm not the biggest Namakubi fan. I uh, I had my first this past summer, uh, eight nine months ago, and have since tried a few others. And um, <laughs> you know, it's it's an okay cigar. I'm just not going to spend money on it. Have you tried the Tiburon? I honestly don't know what names of the cigars I've tried because they don't go by different color bands. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I. I don't know uh, what sizes I've had by name. I know I've had the the small guy. I'd call it a tray petite, maybe four and a half by forty two, roughly in that range. I think the uh, Roxo and Papichulo were the uh, uh, the small sizes. Papichulo sounds familiar. I think I may have gone that direction because the name was intriguing. The um, the Tiburon is six by forty four. Definitely have not had that. And that is. You know, there's a cigar in that line for anybody, but for me, that cigar really shines. That that size, that blend just works for my taste. That's hmm. oh, worth seeking out. I mean, I didn't dislike the cigar. You know, it's just kind of that mentality I I had uh, last week when I was talking about that cigar in my ashtray that was seven eighths not smoked, and that I set out just because I didn't enjoy it. You know, I just don't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It's not, it doesn't turn me off, you know, it's just one of those things. I'd rather have something that I did get the enjoyment out of, that's all. Yeah. But, well, I, I got to say, not to uh, completely break away from all the news here, but I'm I'm solidly into the, the second third of this uh, Eminencia here, and I think my humidor is dry. Um, this cigar, to me, has little bit of a different characteristic than a lot of the others that I've smoked. Um, and it, it definitely is kind of coming across as a little bit drier, more grassy in flavor than uh, what I expect. And I think that uh, I think it's about time I recharge my um, uh, my humidity beads. I'm I don't know. I'm I'm not enjoying this experience as much as I had thought I would. You know, I I pulled up my notes again while you were talking and I made the same note after I got past the halfway mark in the first cigar, that early on that uh, that that sour kind of flavor that I noted was um, was as Dale would have said it was acidic. It, it was mouth watering. It, it caused me to salivate. And in the second half, none of that. It, it went very dry. It, it was drying on my palate as I was smoking it. Yeah, this uh, this is definitely dry on my palate. It's interesting. Maybe my humidor isn't dry. I mean, you've had these for long enough. You're no longer dealing with anything, uh, any product of my storage whatsoever. But I mean, I've got probably a 30 ounce tumbler here, and it's I've got maybe two inches left in the bottom. I probably had at least 24 ounces of water with this cigar. You know, I I, I absolutely uh, am very dry on my on my uh, my hard palate, especially is like sandpaper. Interesting. Hey, just a random question. What do you shoot for in your humidor? What do you? What's your uh, preferred humidity? Um, well, I have 65% beads. I use uh, all humidity beads um, that I've purchased from a a, a very good friend, um, Mark Neff at Cigarmony.com. Um, I. Uh, I have humidified my all of my cigars with the humidity beads since probably 2005 or six, uh, with epic results. Um, you know, a, 
a friend of mine who met Mark told him he was an idiot and getting into the cigar industry with a product that wasn't a consumable, um, you know, because you buy the humidity beads once and if you treat them right, you never have to replace them. Yeah. Um, but as, as a consumer, my goodness, I mean, don't you want a product that, you know, costs you 20 bucks or something and you never have to replace it ever and it always works perfectly? Yep, I'm with you. Know. you. I'm, I'm a fellow 65 percenter. <laughs> yeah, I um, I I don't even have a hygrometer in my humidor anymore. I got rid of them. Actually, I sold them to work. Uh, I, so I'll use my hygrometers at work in different houses when we're building to test uh, indoor environment levels. But um, I just go by when uh, you know I can see that the beads appear to be a little more opaque. I'll add some more water. Or if in this case, that this cigar does taste to me like it's a bit dry, but maybe it's just going along with the experience you you noted as well. Um, uh, you know, I'll go by one or the other. So I'll probably add some more distilled water into those tonight after we get out of here, and and I'll be ship shaped by tomorrow. Yeah. Now I use sixty five percent beads, although I did not buy mine from Mark. Uh, mine came from a, a different supplier. That's uh, about the same time frame, though. I've been beads for six, seven years or so. I do have one electronic uh, humidifier that is also on 65, but uh, got a question in the chat room for you. Sure, go ahead. Um, let me get back up there. Jeff Bauer, uh, who I don't don't know in person, ask, ask how big your cabinet is and how many beads you got in there. Um, maybe not how many beads, maybe how much weight... <laughs> I have fourteen thousand beads in my humidor. No, I uh, uh, I have got probably a let's see two by two by four, so about fifteen cubic feet is roughly what my cabinet humidor is, um, and uh, fifteen, sixteen, whatever. And I, I keep about two pounds of beads in there, randomly spread around. Um, the thing with cigars is uh, they're made of tobacco, and tobacco is much like a sponge. It will absorb water. If it's around water, it will absorb it. And so if you've got, you know, 2,000 cigars that are filled at a proper humidity level, um, you don't need a lot of excess moisture to keep those cigars where they should be. The cigars will do a good job of that themselves. So I think I should probably have somewhere around four or five pounds for as large as that is, uh, if I remember the ratio right. But I, I have great results with the two pounds in there. Mm-hmm. They're hygroscopic. Yep, hydroscopic is hydroscopic is the name uh, uh, or is the the term. You're correct. Hygroscopic. Uh, Habano. Yeah. <laughs> hygroscopic. Okay. Thank you. As a pet peeve of mine, when people say hydrometer, which is an entirely different instrument, too. Mm. Anyway, I'll have to remember that. <laughs> I see that smirk on your face as you think terrible things about me. Uh, All right. What else we got going on now? What have you been smoking this week? Well, I've uh, I've had a pretty interesting week. Not only have I had uh, a new cigar, an old cigar, and then I actually broke into pipe tobacco, but I had great experiences with everything. Um I, uh, <laughs> I'll talk about my first one on here, and then we can kind of escalate up to my goofy experience. Um, I believe that I've admitted before that I am uh, a card-carrying, full-on supporter, fan, um, probably fanboy is more like it, of uh, 
Jesus Fuego. Uh, the J Fuego cigars have pretty much across the board been the top of my list of um, cigars to reach for when I'm looking for something that is just going to quench my thirst. And this year, or excuse me, this week I had the newer um, Edition de Familia from Jesus. Uh, I, I, I've not had any of these before. Um, I know they've been out for a while. I haven't even purchased any before, which is kind of a shame on me. But uh, this week I smoked the Petit Bellicoso, just my first example. So this is more of a, a one-off experience than an actual review. But um, really unique, um, fun flavors out of this. It, tropical fruit, you know, kind of reminded me of, like, candied pineapple. Um, I, I'm reading your notes, and i got to say, this is cracking me up right now. Uh, shut up! Uh, it definitely reminded me of candied pineapple. Not, not kind of, but definitely did. Um, some graham, like graham cracker and, and lime, um, really unique for being for being so soft in flavor uh, and dessert focused. I mean, all those flavors could certainly be considered something you'd find in dessert. Um, the cigar actually reminded me more of Asian food. I, I don't know why, but um, it, it really. Some ginger or something in there. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Think of with Asian food. It definitely all kind of went together with the lime. I, I thought of uh, pad thai. You know, pad thai is so distinctly limey, um, or can be so distinctly limey that it it kind of danced in and out of that constantly. But I don't know. I I need to smoke more of these. This was absolutely just the first experience. Um, but it was it was intriguing enough to where I. I now am excited to smoke more, not just wanting to because um, I'm a fanboy, but this is a pretty good cigar. It's a cool shape, too, actually. It was a mini Bellicoso, maybe, I'll say, 5 by 48, 5.5 by 48. I didn't measure it. I'm just guessing. Um, but the tip was actually crooked, like, uh, like a Fuente chili pepper, an Opus chili pepper. Kind of neat. I don't know if that was intentional or not. I didn't look at the other cigars in the box. The chat room wants to know if you got any marzipan in there. <laughs> you know, no, no marzipan. But uh, I found out, and I mentioned this previously on Dog Watch, but I found out that uh, some long-lost relatives of mine were bakers. Um, and I have some, some Swedish blood in me. And uh, the Swedish side of my family actually uh, made marzipan. So it's it's kind of a kind of a unique thing. I found a couple years ago an actual old school uh, late nineteenth century marzipan mold, uh, a hand carved wood mold with all the different shapes in there of little candies. Really, really cool. <laughs> oh man, there's got to be a joke there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure there's a dozen or two. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. What about uh, what about you? I can uh, switch back and forth here a bit. Sure. I had quite a lengthy list of things I smoked this week, actually, and, and almost all of them were revisits or reacquaintances for me, things I hadn't picked up in a while that uh, I was just in a mood to to go back and uh, to try them again. Um, first on my list there was uh, a cigar. It was one of the last episodes of Dog Watch. They uh, had uh, Ray uh, Benitez on, uh, the A. Benitez cigars, and, you know, I like his regular lines, but he has a special edition little Corona that he does that I, I, it is a very rare occasion that I don't have some of those in the humidor, and I, I 
grabbed those pretty regularly and, and had not for a while. So I picked those up this week, and they're just absolutely as good as I remember. Uh, real um, woodsy kind of flavors to them. Uh, for a Corona, fairly potent, but not overbearing at all. Um, just fantastic cigars. Hmm. And he's a, he's a, one of the small makers. He's based down there out of Miami, or maybe just outside of Miami. Um, and his factory, he and his dad have a factory that I believe they recently moved. I think they were in Nicaragua, and they just moved across the line to into Honduras. Um, but still using Nicaraguan tobacco and, and making some great cigars that, that a lot of folks haven't heard of. If, uh, if there's people in the chat room who... Reference the inside uh, inside joke of marzipan. Maybe they'll know if I was on that episode of Dog Watch. The Benitas sound familiar, but I can't remember smoking experience. So if someone else out there knows if I smoked this on the show, let me know. <laughs> he, uh, he was actually the guest on the show one of the nights that Frank Herrera was on there. He was at Frank's shop that night when they were on. Mm. Well, I was definitely on quite a few times when... Uh, when they were Skyping or Google Plusing through uh, Charmed Leaf, so it's very yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, I smoked a cigar that I had not had before, that I've had in the humidor since IPCPR last year, that um, Sean Williams gave me, the El Primer Mundo mm-hmm. guy, uh, the owner, and he has a new, <laughs> a new cigar, La Hermandade, and uh, man, that was a good cigar. I, I I'm a big fan of most of his cigars. I like the the Miami, I like the Epiphania, um, but this one was a very different cigar than any of the others I've had uh, from his line. I really liked it. I'm not not sure right now who makes it actually, but it was. Uh, I, I put I stuck a picture up on Instagram this week that the thing burned just as sharply and crisp and straight as any cigar I've ever smoked in my life. It, it was perfectly constructed. I, I, I can't think of a cigar I've ever had that was built any better than that one. Um, had a really woodsy, earthy kind of flavor to it uh, throughout. Um, extremely smoky. It, it reminded me of an undercrown and just the vast amounts of smoke it put off. I, um, I like a lot of Sean's stuff. I, I kind of feel bad, but I don't think I have a single one of his cigars in my humidor. But I, I like him as a guy. He's a cool guy to sit down and have a conversation with. I've Every one of his cigars that I've had, I, I have had good experiences with. Um, although i got to say that your description of that cigar kind of turns me off a little bit. I'm not real big into that woodsy flavor. I know I'm seeing in, in some of the cigars I've tried on your recommendation that that's something that you... Um, have as a common theme the things that you like the the Frank Herrera biography the the um, Cuenca five anniversary or five anniversary those to me are very woodsy as well so uh, I don't dislike those cigars I just don't that's not a common theme in the cigars that I prefer so I'm I'm uh, I'll reach out I'll give that a shot because I do like Sean's stuff so I wonder if maybe he'll be able to present it in a little bit nicer way for me. Yeah, this, this like I said, it was a departure from the other cigars I've had of his, uh, and I also like those too, and, and agree that he is just a, a great guy. He was actually one of the first manufacturers at IPCPR that, that like, 
took time and stopped and wanted to have a, an actual conversation rather than kind of just being so tied up and, and, mm. and busy. Uh, super nice guy. I, uh, no, go ahead. No, if you got something else to say, go ahead. I'm jumping ship on you. I uh, I was just going to briefly say that that's one of my favorite things about IPCPR. Um, you get a lot of people who you can very clearly tell are working. Um, they're there because they got to sell their cigars. Um, and then you'll, you'll certainly find those, those other people who are at a booth who are really, really interested in having a great conversation with you about their product. And, um, it, you know, it might start with their product, but then all of a sudden it turns into the, the lifestyle as a whole. And then it goes on to their kids and what they're doing that night. And I love that about IPCPR. Great opportunity to meet some really good people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but jumping off, I was I was listening to what you were saying, and there's a cigar on my list that may be more in line. I, I don't know if you've ever tried uh, any Luis Sanchez cigars. I have. I have. have. You had his regular La Tradición Cubana, uh, regular old line, the Corona in that line? No, I haven't, actually. And I, I had a conversation with Bob McDuffie about... Uh, a lot of the La Tradición Cubana, Cubana um, offerings, or a few of them. I don't think there's a ton. Um, and I still haven't had the, the main line. But, uh, I should probably put that on my list. He makes a very wide range of cigars, and I, I actually this past summer spent a lot of time for work down in Miami, and uh, uh, no small amount of that was spent uh, with Lewis in his shop. And I kind of smoked through the range. He makes cigars for several different manufacturers several different companies. Uh, he's the manufacturer, but um, the ones, just his standard line that he's, you know, that are his, uh, that Corona, I, I absolutely adore the cigar, and it's probably more in line with what I'm seeing that you like. Uh, more of those sedate kind of uh, creamy and, and actually not unlike these uh, first two that I've had from you. Uh, they're not uh, not overly woodsy, like you were talking about. They're uh, bright, kind of clean flavors, really really good cigars, and very inexpensive, relatively speaking. I mean, you can get those Coronas for about 4 bucks, maybe even a little less if you're buying by the box. Hmm. Wow, that, that is inexpensive, definitely. Uh, i got to reach for the water again because I'm still token on this uh, Eminencia. Really drying. Lewis has a, a new cigar that I've been waiting on for a while. I tried, I, I did a review for him a few months ago, and and it is probably my favorite in his line, although I don't know that it would be one that appeals to you after you just the, the comments you just made, but it's uh, just, he just calls it the ABC, and he's still, still working on packaging, um, but I'm anxiously awaiting those things to hit the shelf. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm always up to... Uh... Not to, not to sound condescending, but expand my horizons with things that uh, other people want, you know, or recommend for me. Um, it's, I, I know there's a, a thousand and one guys out there who absolutely deserve all of us to go out there and and invest in their product and give them a shot. It's just, you know, I I guess I'm maybe not that average smoker who really really wants that new hot cigar. Because they just want to try something different because it's cool. I, I like my old standbys. You know, I don't know. 
But it, that being said, I, I like it when people uh, kind of force me to open my eyes and find something else. Yeah, I, I um, always had a few standbys that I smoked constantly for many, many years. But for the past year and a half, I really branched out and smoked just I couldn't even begin to guess how many different cigars that I'd never tried before. Hmm. And all the while, keeping all those standbys, I didn't really change what I was smoking as much as I added to one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should probably just call you lucky for that. Well, it's been fun anyway. <laughs> well, no doubt. Well, I... Uh, uh, my other cigar that I want to talk about this week is uh, kind of an oldie but goodie for me. Uh, I found this cigar through an unbanded or a blind review that I did on Dogwatch Cigar Radio a year or two ago. Um, that couldn't have been much more than two years ago. I think these only came out that summer, a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, this is the Cane Daytona. Uh, it's 646, the 6x46 uh, ring gauge. Um I love these cigars, man. They're so classically Nicaraguan in flavors. Um, and for being someone who isn't a strength guy, I, I was so anti the cane, you know, when, when they came out. I just didn't see the point to an 86 or an 82% Lajero cigar. And then the cane F, when they figured out a way to make an all Lajero cigar burn, I just thought it was a gimmick. And, you know, I, I, I got proved wrong. These Daytonas are... Just a great cigar. Classic old-school Nicaraguan flavor with a heavy dose of the new-school Nicaraguan um, as well in there. It's a great blend to me. It, it's very well-rounded in what Nicaraguan tobacco can bring to the table. Not going to make a lot of enemies. Also not boring to somebody who really seeks out that strong stick. A pretty darn good uh, experience. I I need to pick up a box of these. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking before uh, the show started that I was not uh, by any means a fan of anything cane, uh, anything uh, Studio Tobacco put out with the word cane on it. I just it just wasn't for me. It was a little uh, a little bold for my taste. But that Daytona came out, and man, uh, I had the same response as you. I absolutely loved the cigar. It, it was you know all of that <clears throat> typical kind of hardcore or center. Center mass Nicaraguan flavor without the uh, the overpowering strength that that really just knocked me down with the, the other cane. It's uh, it's worth seeking out. It's great flavor, absolutely no doubt. And if you're one of those people who likes kind of you know uh, getting introduced to what a specific country is maybe known for, or you know a, a a typical flavor from a specific country. I think this really illustrates Nicaragua well. Really well to me, at least. Mm -mm. So what else you got on there? Looks like there's uh, at least two more. Yeah, the um, Roma Craft, uh, which is Skip Martin and his crew. Um, I'm a really big fan of what they're doing. Uh, I mentioned, uh, actually, I mentioned on a Dog Watch show a few months ago that I was uh, not a huge fan of the Cro-Magnon uh, when it first came out, and I had never really revisited those, but I really liked the Intemperance, and when we were in Chattanooga last summer, just fell head over heels for the uh, Aquitaine. Uh, and then Skip, on a subsequent Dog Watch show, 
had heard that first one and recommended that I go back and try the Cro-Magnet again. I guess they had tinkered with them since that initial release, and turned out I did like them much more. I'm still still uh, would pick the Aquatane as my favorite, but I went back this week and had a few of the Intemperance that I've had uh, in the humidor for a while, and man, I, I I don't know what kind of magic he's working down there, but I like what he's doing, and. Uh, from all appearances, he's been in uh, Nicaragua for a few weeks working on some new blends and, and what looks to be a large group of uh, new shapes and sizes that are coming out. And some of those, I think, will be additions to the regular lines. And then he has some limited uh, offerings he's going to put out, uh, some new shapes and sizes that will be handed out at events or you know, retailer-specific blends or, or you run into Skip somewhere, then Ben, he'll give you whatever. But uh, I just got to say, I really like what he's doing. Now. You know, it's it's funny. We didn't talk about this. Actually, we didn't talk at all about Romacraft um, before the show, but I reached out to a buddy of mine who I know carries Skip stuff um, online. Uh, I reached out to him maybe last Sunday, Monday, something like that looking to see if he had uh, uh, a steady supply of the <laughs> the Romacraft product in, in stock. And uh, I also reached out to Skip himself and talked to him a bunch this week. Um, just about, you know, what what's coming up? When are you going to have more stuff? I've, I'm watching all of his, his uh, tweets and his Facebook updates and all the photos and man, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting hungry every time I look at what he posts on there. He's uh He's the master of social media, I think, right now. Whatever he's doing, it's working. It's making me want his product. Yeah, I think if Skip Martin and Gary Griffith dropped offline, <laughs> the Internet would be gone tomorrow. <laughs> you might have a good point there. <laughs> well, you got a the, – the last one on your list I'm real interested in hearing about here. Not to uh, imply that this is the last one I want you to talk about. I just can't wait any longer. I want you to tell me. Well, the uh, El Triumphador Lancero, uh, it's a Tatuaje product, and I remember Bob uh, talking about those, that that, that line was a, a big seller, and in fact, I think it was one of the least selling uh, things that Pete Johnson has his hand on. Um, I think they're great cigars at, <clears throat> in general, that whole line, but this one, uh, I don't know, it's been a couple of years ago now, they put out, and they've done it, they've released a couple of other batches since then. Uh, the uh, the old man in the sea, which is a small wooden box that has a lancero and a culebra in it, and uh, I guess the uh, triumphador is the old man in the sea is the culebra. But I smoked that lancero, and this was from the original release. Uh, like I said, it's been a couple of years ago. But man, I I sat in my garage and had that this week, and it it was a little bit he on the heavy end of medium or slightly full-bodied to me, full full strength to me, um, rather than body, but uh, so flavorful. And, and being a Lancero, the strength wasn't so much that it was overpowering. Um, just, I, I, it was a very comfortable, friendly, enjoyable cigar. Didn't sit there and take notes and, and do all the, uh, the minutia of trying to do something like a review. I just enjoyed the cigar, and I wish I had a few more of them laying around. Well, I uh, I might be able to make that happen. I've got a box of those that I believe is cracked, so 
When we uh, exchange cigars next, remind me, and I'll make sure there are a few of those find their way in there for you. Cool. I, have, right. not, I have not broke open uh, the, any of the labors yet, so I don't know what that's going to be like. And I have never unwrapped one of those and smoked them. Oh, my uh, my old man says that a Culebra, anytime I've ever smoked a Culebra around him, he looks like a cigar, he says it looks like a cigar you smoke around the corner. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, it's just one of those things that sticks out to you. Um, I I love those Triumphadors. Um, I, I don't know why they weren't met with, with better fanfare. A lot of people talk about very consistent... Um, construction flaws, but I, I've smoked cigars from two boxes that I know of consistently and not had those construction flaws. So I believe uh, a lot of people have said that halfway through the cigar, there's almost like a hole, um, a void where something with how they were rolled was done improperly, and I've never experienced that and have never had anything but great results. So I don't know. Maybe I just got lucky with my boxes. Maybe so. I, I've had I, that, that Lancero was the first I'd had of those, but I've had uh, the El Triumphador in some other sizes, uh, like a, a Robusto kind of size. Seems like it was about that length, but maybe slightly uh, smaller ring than normal, uh, and never had any kind of construction issue at all. Well, the construction issues were with the original El Triumphador, um, Triumphador. Uh, Lancero release, which, if my understanding is correct, was more of like a, uh, a a trademark release. He obtained the name, released the cigar in one size, one very simple packaging um, to kind of hold that that branding, so that way he could put out the Triumphador line later on. But yeah. I know it was not the same blend whatsoever. Um, those original Lanceros were the ones with the the, I guess you could call them consistent construction flaws, but uh, you know, I, I know none of that. Man, this one was just as good as it gets. It, I, I think I put on the uh, the picture I posted up of that that it it wasn't the prettiest bell at the ball, but it had a great personality. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually laughed out loud. I'll uh, I'll take little micro breaks at work. You know, I'm ticked off about something, so I'll take thirty seconds and look on my phone to just see what's going on in the world or check news or something. And uh, I happened to see your Facebook update where you've got those two lines. She ain't the prettiest girl at the bell at the ball, but she's got a heck of a personality. And I laughed at my desk and got a few looks. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, it, and it was true. It wasn't a beautiful cigar in appearance, but, man, it, it was great in the smoking, and I don't think you can ask for much more than that. No, I totally agree. That beautiful broadleaf on there just just brought a ton to the table in terms of flavor. It's a good cigar. I might have to find one of those this week. Thank you. All right. I'm, I'm talking too much. What have you been, what else? You got a pot tobacco story on here. Too. <laughs> well, I've got an interesting story. So, you know, the last few weeks we've talked about, um, you know, let's, let's get a little bit more into pipe tobacco. It's something that we both enjoy. I think that our listeners might enjoy kind of the growth uh, in you know discussing it and starting with the basics and my near zero education on pipes um, and very limited experience and you're much more refined and um, uh, high level of expertise it, it's it's a good um, you know student and uh, professor professorial 
type uh, conversation we can have. So I've been, I don't know, kind of giddy about getting back into my pipe a little bit. And so I found some tobacco that I wanted to try, um, an old bag from probably 10 years ago that I've had sealed up. Um, in the bag? In the bag, yeah. Oh, man, come on now. I, hey, I, it's it's the best I could do. I'm sorry. I uh, uh, I didn't have a better way of keeping it. I don't have any tins any longer. So get, um, a, get a mason jar. Really? You get like a dozen of them for eight bucks at Walmart. No, no. My my sister works for Ball, so I mean, I can definitely get mason jars. I they, not that uh, they make mason jars anymore, but that's absolutely a perfect. The only thing you got to remember is get the wide mouth jars because if you get the normal opening, you can't get your hand down in there. <laughs> You come up with uh, with jar hands. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, so it 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 was okay. The tobacco was not overly dried out, and it still had a lot of uh, aroma to it, a ton of aroma to it. But I ran into another problem. Um, I cannot find my pipes. I know I have two pipes, and they are nowhere around. I tore my entire smoking room apart, went into my my boxes that I've got stored after the move to this house seven years ago, uh, and it occurred to me that I haven't smoked a pipe in at least seven years, and I, I can't find them. I don't know if I can be your friend anymore. <laughs> so, so I was, uh, you know, I, I was running out of time. I only had like two hours set aside to, to have a cigar or a pipe or something. And I really wanted to just sit down and enjoy it, and I had spent at least an hour searching for all this stuff. So I'm like, look, I've got 50 minutes left, 45 minutes left. i got to try this stuff at least. And I had just watched Dances with Wolves last weekend on some crazy insomnia, uh, insomnia raid. Uh, and so I'm like, you know, I, I seem to remember that it was uh, it was something in the movie where they, they burned – or smoked something, you know, based off of a tray of this kind of smoldering tobacco or whatever it was that they were smoking. You know, I've got a, I've got a, a an old ashtray that, that uh, it's got a nice patina to it. I'll put some, some, uh, <laughs> some pipe tobacco in there and see if I can, you know, kind of clump it up, make me a, a nice little, um, a nice little cache of this pipe tobacco. Get it lit. See if I can get it smoldering. Maybe I'll shove a couple burning embers of cedar under there and let her go. And sure enough, it worked. So for you know, fifteen twenty minutes, here I am smoking pipe tobacco off of a, a tray. You know, somebody walked in. They, I'm sure it would have looked like I was completely ridiculous. But I'm just enveloping myself in in this this gorgeous aroma coming off the tobacco and putting my mouth right next to the the smoldering, uh, the, the smoldering uh, stuff, and and just kind of bringing smoke into my mouth, and then just letting it go. It it was a it was a goofy experience, but it worked and was rewarding. And I smelled fantastic afterward. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you got to get a bite. I know. I, I got to go out and at least get like a seven Ellie second or something like that. I, I got to find something. Yeah, seven Ellie Stanwell both make inexpensive lines that are that are very well made, and and you can get them for a good price. It's uh, just kind of goofy. I, I as I'm doing this, the only thing I can think of is, man, this is going to be funny on the show this week. So. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody thought that I, somebody realized how much of an amateur I really am, and 
now they uh, they don't feel so bad about maybe getting back into pipes because you can't have a stupider story than that, folks. Yeah, mason jars though, uh, those are the uh, trick of the trade, and you, you can't leave it in that bag; it will dry up. The fact that the pipe tobacco stayed lit in a tray probably means it was kind of dry to be smoking anyway. Yeah, I uh, I thought that obviously as I was as I was smoking it, it seemed like it was burning more than it was uh, you know smoldering as it typically should, and it still had a great aroma, great flavor. It did not um, did not come across in a bit of a negative way whatsoever. I just I knew I was going to pay for it when I talked about it. So, well, I uh, recently uh, this is not in the notes. I hadn't planned on talking about it. It hadn't even crossed my mind. But a couple of weeks ago, I opened a uh, a thirty plus year old tin of a, a Dunhill Gold Blend. Wow! Um, and it was actually kind of a disappointment. Um, normally, a, a decent Virginia blend for thirty years is not going to be a problem. But it 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 kind of had gone over the hill. It, it it fell flat for me. Oh. But, yeah, I put it in a jar. We'll see what happens in a while. I'll try it again. Oh, that's a shame, man. That's really a shame. You know, it's it's one of those things, I, and I've struggled with it with these uh, eminencias. I, I, I've heard people all my life say, look, if it's smoking great, don't hold on to it. Smoke it, because it's you never know what the future is going to bring. And it's the absolute truth. If you're enjoying something right now, smoke it. You know? Yep, uh, absolutely. I I, you know, I say it many times that don't die and leave your best cigars behind. Just <laughs> that's very true. You know, I just uh, uh, it, it's just such a letdown when you have one of those experiences when something that you've had for a while uh, just doesn't give you the pleasure that you're hoping it's going to. It's kind of a shame. Mm. What uh, what possessed you to open up that tin? Uh just whimsy. Wow. I got I mean I got crap piled up in there in a cabinet for decades. <laughs> or pot tobacco anyway. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. That's pretty cool actually. Well, I I don't know. Anything else in your list? You got so many of them here, I don't even know. Yeah, I I it was a good week overall. And nothing else really jumped out. Uh, I've been uh I'm a bigger fan of Eddie Ortega's Serie D than any you or either of the Dog Watch guys were. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you kept up, but he's putting out some, some limited runs. He's calling a wild bunch. Hmm. <clears throat> and each one of those, there's 12 of them for this year, uh, released monthly, one, one each month or roughly. Um, and I, I've been kind of going through the first three of those. I don't even recall two of their names now. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the one I like, what I like, the Island Jim, uh, and all of these are named after different people, different characters within the cigar industry that Eddie knows and has met and, and likes, and just wanted to name a cigar after him. And uh, a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the one I had this week, I was not a big fan of. I, I'm a really big fan of Eddie Ortega and his cigars, but the the Big Bad John, it, it was. One thing it was a huge cigar, and you see, this is what's left of it, which is about half of it. It was a ginormous cigar. <laughs> but it, it, I didn't care for that one so much. Uh, the Island Jim, I liked a lot. Absolutely nothing like the Serie D, but a very good cigar. But not so much the Big Bad John. It, mm. it, it fell a little flat for me. But, uh, 
I think that's about all that's on my list. You, uh, geez, you've been talking so much. It's about time you're done, man. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm watching myself way back and forth. I'm in a, a spinning chair here tonight. I can't seem to sit still. So. I, uh, I'll forgive you for that one. At least I'm not hearing the Zippo click. Yeah, I've been chastised about that. I, I have learned to put it <laughs> off on the table and leave the lid open so if I need to relight, it's it's already open. <laughs> well, we uh, it's about time we, we move on into the next segment that we uh, regularly cover here. It's kind of one of those, what else you've been enjoying along with cigars lately? Um, and this is really an open, open-ended wild card of a, of a, uh, a category here. It could be anything from... You know, uh, what sort of food you've been having, what sort of accompaniment, what people, whatever it is. And um, for me this week, I had uh, a unique experience. I took a trip to uh, Naperville, Illinois. There's uh, a brewery there called Solemn Oath. Um, and I'm I'm not the biggest hophead in the world, but I certainly do appreciate a, a good beer. Um so I, I went into Solemn Oath, and as all other breweries I've ever been to, you, you know, you open the door, and and you, you're met with that really, really unique, yeasty fermentation aroma, and I just love that, man. It just It's just such an accompaniment for a cigar, although I couldn't smoke at the brewery, obviously, um, Illinois being a, a smoke-free state. It's, it's just one of those things that I appreciate, that room aroma of uh, a consumable, um, really, really just a beautiful accompaniment to the experience. And so I had a, uh, a flight of uh, what they were currently br- brewing, and I found a Belgian ale uh, or Belgian style that they call Butterfly Flash Mob. And man, oh man, was this cigar and is this cigar a terrific accompaniment to a cigar. Um, oh, gosh. This cigar is a terrific accompaniment to this cigar. <laughs> this beer, excuse me, thank you for that, was a terrific accompaniment to a cigar. I've since uh, uh, enjoyed it a bit and um, thought that it was just, it, it's a unique beer in that it's not characteristically hoppy or sweet or um, uh, malty. It kind of has a lot of those combinations that work with it, uh, but not in a schizophrenic or or um, misdirected sort of way. It has very clear um, flavors and times that they're perceived. Right on that, that initial flavor, when it hits your palate, it, you're greeted with a very sweet, yeasty, um, that Belgian yeast, that characteristic Belgian yeast flavor that's sweet. Really, really unique. There's a little bit of maltiness in there, and then it transitions into a bit of a sharp, hoppy flavor on the finish, um, and it, it worked really, really well to balance out the, the heaviness or heavy body from a cigar. Um, really liked that. I thought that it uh, was a unique thing that I'd recommend to people, definitely. Um, it worked well with that that uh, J Fuego, that Reserva de Familia. Um, that's not an extremely heavy cigar. It's just it's a cigar that has got a lot of character to it and had a good body, even though it was a little bit of a milder cigar. Um, it worked really well with this uh, with this beer, no doubt. Cool. So, thought that was worth bringing up. I actually know a guy in Naperville. Really? A cigar guy. He goes by Coop and a handful of forums around. He's not Cigar Coop. He's a different Coop. Um, yeah. And I guess that's not too far from you. 
Yeah, not uh, not too terribly far. Nope, not at all. Um, well, he doesn't happen to uh, make his own uh, boutique cigars, does he? No, no, he's not in the industry. He's just a, a, a dedicated enthusiast. Hmm. I uh, uh, a couple weeks back, week and a half ago, I found uh, a cigar at a shop um, that uh, actually comes from a guy who lives in Naperville, and I had never heard of him or the cigar. I think it's called the the Nuck or the Nuke or something like that. N U C or L U C. I don't know. I I bought a couple of the cigars. I was thinking of uh, trying them out here in the next couple weeks, but. Huh. Naperville is a pretty big town, 150,000 people. So I don't think I've ever heard of that. I'll I'll find it. Look, the band was you know it was classic cigar band, uh, bright red with gold lettering and some striping on it. I mean, it really was reminiscent of a lot of cigar bands that are out there. So it didn't stick out individually or or with individuality, but um, uh, the the gentleman who owns the the cigar is definitely from uh, the Chicago suburb. So. Hmm. Well, speaking of bands, and, and this is not in the notes, and I forgot to mention it earlier. I don't know if you noticed this or saw any uh, news when we got it from Skip when you are talking to him this week. He's putting bands on his cigars now. Yeah, uh, I did notice that. I saw a couple months ago when he was in Florida that uh, one of his, uh, I guess it came through as a tweet or something, he had checked in at Action Label, and so I kind of, figured he was about to do that and uh, he's been putting pictures up this week he's putting bands on there and I happen to have a local retailer that sells his cigars and I was talking to him about them because I really like them and and that's where I bought what I was smoking this week and uh, that was his only criticism he's like I have trouble convincing people to just go ahead and try this cigar because it has no band on it and you know it's not you know despite the fact that there's not a lot to packaging You've got to sell that first cigar and, and convince somebody to buy it. It's hard to do without a band on it. Boy, that's interesting. I, It's just weird to me to hear a retailer say something like that. It's so second nature for me to see unbanded cigars. Um, I mean, for years and years and years, up until I think 2003, I believe 2003, every cigar in a cabinet that came out of Cuba was unbanded. Yeah, um, I mean, there could be a version of the cigar that was just in a normal dress box and it was banded, but if there was a cab version, it was unbanded. Um, so, I mean, that's a that's to me, it's a beautiful way of presenting a cigar. It's it's all about that minimalistic approach. Let the cigar speak for itself, and and I've always kind of loved it. Um, you know, there's nothing more beautiful to me than a gorgeous uh, cigar wrapper, but um, I guess from a retailer's perspective, you don't have anything that someone can hold on to afterwards saying, yeah, this cigar was awesome. I want this cigar again. Can you sell me this? Uh, so and I can see. That that was exactly what he said. He said when people buy a cigar and they come back to him and say, I don't know much about it, but here's the band, or the band looked like this, and mm-hmm. somebody would tell him what they had tried, and he just made that, that remark kind of offhand, and you know, lo and behold, He's get putting bands on a cigar. Well, it uh, if nothing else, it's an expense. You know, you need to buy ten thousand bands, fifty thousand bands at a time, and you need to pay someone to put them on your cigars, and it's an added step that slows it down. I mean, I can understand why a manufacturer might not think that it's incredibly important, but um, you know, you're in the 
the business for a little while and people start telling you that, hey, I can't uh, sell this cigar. you got to put a band on it so that way I, I can know that uh, people will come back. You start listening. Yeah, and it's a more of a cost when you have some growth. And yeah. I certainly don't know the uh, behind-the-scenes numbers for Skip, but from all appearances, he has grown a lot in the past six to nine months. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. But when you're making, you know, more and more and more cigars and moving them, uh, making a change to your process like that, and, you know, adding a step and presumably adding a person into the, the process, that, that's a big expenditure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just think from a boutique manufacturer's perspective, space is often an issue. You know, I mean, I've been in, I've been in factories that are, you know, the size of two bedrooms or something, and there's 12 people working in there, 14 people, you know? I mean, now add another person and another staging point. It's it's interesting. I I can remember going in the uh, Elohio factory, or Logio, uh, as I've certainly referred to it for many years, um, and their factory was, you know, maybe a 15 by 25 foot room with Two dozen people in it, for Pete's sake, you know. I mean, everything was just piled to the the, the ceiling, and people stacked on top of each other. It was kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, that that they're able to function with such efficiency in such a cramped space. But you know, it's uh, it's just one of those little things. Logistics, man, it makes the world go round. Well, not to get too far off on a rat hole and and spend you know the whole show talking about Skip, but he is a great guy. <laughs> but he has. I think really done things right with setting up his company in that he rather than having somebody else make a cigar for him and being at the mercy of tobacco supplies and who has this leaf at this time and where and and how much he bought a large allotment a large inventory of tobacco a year and a half two years ago and created his blends and so he has his own stock he's rolling out of they bought a piece of property they built a small factory and they have brought much more of their uh, their operation under their own control rather than being at the mercy of somebody else who may not uh, prioritize them as a company. Yeah, I, uh, I've i got some friends, and, well, I, I mean, I've done it. Uh, I've got some friends who are still doing it who um, are having cigars made by large manufacturers, Um and I know Placencia will make cigars for people. They they have for years and years and years. Um, it not uh, putting two and two together and uh, implying that this is something that Placencia does. But you know, I know that people have have not only said, "Yeah, I'm I have to wait longer" or "I'm not getting the uh, um, the care that I want." But I've heard horror stories of tobacco disappearing. You know, you go out and you select a blend, and all of a sudden your cigar is a different cigar because that tobacco you selected worked really well for this big company for someone else who's paying more. You know? Oh, that's terrible. If you are buying your leaf from a large supplier and you're the little guy and they need to give that leaf to the big guy, who do you think, which account are they going to preserve? Well, yeah, no doubt. It's uh, a tough situation. I I, I commend Kit for doing that. I wasn't even aware that that uh, that, that was the background for him. Skip. What did I say? Skip. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm getting tired. Apparently, cigar and beer, and now Kip and Skip. Ay ay ay. Habano, habano. 
Well, why don't we uh, why don't we get into this Eminencia here? I'm I'm approaching the point where I want to put this bad boy down. We've been going on it for solidly an hour and a half. Yeah, I just did the same and actually have relit the cigar I had a little earlier, which is an odd thing for me. I don't commonly relight cigars after a few minutes. Um, but yeah, I got down to I don't know maybe an inch or a little less left of the the Eminencia and. <clears throat> If I had to pick between the two uh, that that I that I have had so far from what I got from you, I would probably uh, have taken the the Monte Cristo. Although I really like this cigar, uh, and it, again, never ever got any harshness. You know, I'm down to where it was almost getting too hot to hold uh, on my fingers, and it never threw up the flag and said, "Okay, this is it. We're done." Uh, n- never got any of that harshness. Uh, did get uh, a little bit of uh, some woodsiness, and actually a very specific wood. Um, I-, I have a-, a background in furniture, so I've spent a lot of time in uh, uh, furniture manufacturing operations, and very specifically reminded me of the smell of walnut, and not hmm. not the nut, not what you eat, the wood itself when it's being you know planed or tenoned or something. Um, I spent several years in a, a plant that made hardwood flooring, and some of that was from uh, walnut. And I just remember when I was smoking that first one of these, thinking that it, it so clearly reminded me of when we were um, cutting walnut flooring, that, that smell. Wow. Of when walnut is shaved and heated up a little bit. Um, All right, so completely off-topic comment. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, <clears throat> you know that I design and build houses. Uh-huh. I think I've talked to you about that before. I'm working with a client right now to try to uh, make a wood flooring selection, and I'm trying to push her on hickory. Have you ever worked with hickory floors, hickory flooring? No. Nope. The only experience with hickory I have is about 10 feet from me, my smoker, which is going to be fired up at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's good experience with hickory. That makes for a nice finished product. You know, we did a lot of uh, the softer woods pine and poplar, which is kind of in between, and then the hardwoods we dealt with with flooring and cabinets were predominantly oak, walnut, ash, maple. Yeah, the the oak and maple are are the two biggies that that I typically deal with, but this hickory floor has got a lot of good characteristics, and it's just a matter of uh, convincing her to not go with the oak product from Menards that she wants to supply herself, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, tell her it's pecan. (laughs) <laughs> it's a more consumer-friendly name. She'll buy that. <laughs> there you go. Well, for me, uh, as the Seminenti is coming to an end, I've got a little bit more than you. I'm, I'm at about an inch and a half or so. Uh, you can check that out on the video. Easy, an inch and a half left. Um, I have relit a couple times just because I've been yapping too much, and I don't think it helped this cigar. I'm All in all, I'd say that this is the worst experience I've had with an Eminencia. Um I would say that it's okay. You know, this this wasn't bad. It did not get harsh. Uh, as you said, it's just not filled with the, the complexity and the sweetness and that really wonderful nuttiness that is just so such a hallmark of the RA blend. Um, we've got a couple more Ramoniones cigars coming for me over the next year or so, um, or six months, year, whatever it may be, uh, the, the cigars that we've planned out. Um, both a smaller version than this, a Petite Corona, and then a much larger version, the Double Corona. 
Um, and I hope that those two cigars will really display that sweet nuttiness and and wonderful balance of both hard and soft, savory and sweet flavors that uh, this blend brings to the table. To me, I definitely get a woodiness out of this now, but it's um, it's not specific, as you say, and it's certainly not prominent. Um, I would probably call it a little bit more akin to a cedar, something that's more of a a wood aroma that um, is just reminiscent rather than you know so specific to an experience. Um, I'm definitely getting a little bit more pepper on my soft palate. It's definitely picking up in the peppery flavor. Um, and that, that kind of sweet and sour has transitioned away from the sour to me. I don't get as much tannic um, uh, flavors or tea flavors. I'm getting a little bit more of a, um, I, I don't know, it's hard to describe. Maybe uh, Maybe a little bit more of a sharp citrusy flavor to this, but you know that that's about it. I'm really not pleased with the uh, the stage that the cigar is at right now, and it's kind of a shame that uh, you know you've you've uh, smoked this one at this point in its evolution. I think that there's a lot more that it has to give. So, but you know, such is life. You smoke a cigar one day at a time, one puff at a time. So, you uh, you got to take what it gives you. Yeah. You're getting philosophical there. <laughs> if you smoke a cigar one day at a time, that'd be an awful long cigar. Yeah. Well, I uh, as we kind of start with the closing of the show here, I want to, uh, I, I guess, call on you or put the onus on you to uh, pony up, my, my good man, and talk a little bit about this contest you've had running over the last month plus. Yeah, those of you that uh, have tuned in or paid attention to our earlier shows know we were giving away some cigars uh, from the first show where we featured the uh, sun-grown version of the 858 from Fuente. And we were, I gotta stop rocking. My wife just sent me a text to stop rocking in this chair. <laughs> uh, we, um, we're giving away a five pack, which is one of each of the different offerings of the 858, each of the different wrappers, the filler and binder, are the same on all of them, um, which is, would be the uh, natural and the Maduro, which are the normal lines, the Candela, uh, uh, which is also a normal line, but you don't see them as often just because there's not a high demand for them, so they, they don't hang around on the shelves too much. Um, and the, the Sun Grown, which is a cigar we featured that first week. And the final one, uh, which is just a fantastic mild cigar, if you're into mild cigars, uh, is the Rosado uh, version of that. And I love it, and to be honest, I hate letting another one go. <laughs> but, but we're going to give one away, because I'm just that kind of guy. But, um, <laughs> And also, I was going to throw in uh, one of my uh, Cigar Me mugs, which the supply is dwindling, uh, and I owe somebody else one more of those. I haven't shipped yet. Um, and the Screw Pop tool, which was a little combination uh, cigar cutter, bottle opener, goes on your keychain, actually turned out to be pretty handy and uh, made its way onto my keychain. And that uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago, that's a rare thing, because I, I, I don't like a lot of clutter in my pocket, and... I even said if I could key my house and car alike, I would only have one key to carry. <laughs> so I printed out all the folks that sent me an email this month, printed their names out, cut them into little strips, and remembered why I said I would never give away something that way again after I cut out all those little strips and uh, folded them up <laughs> and uh, put them in a cigar box. 
Uh, it turns out we had 42 folks this month send in an email uh, of some sort or another, and I had my daughter uh, pull out the name, and I'm looking to see if I can yeah, share the screen here. Can everybody see that name on there? It's Dan Crouch. Long hey, hey. DC, long-time uh, Dog Watch listener and uh, a good guy. I got the chance to meet him last summer at the Dog Watch Her. And um, DC, you want it. Send me your – email me your uh, address you want it sent to, and I will get that on the way to you. That's uh... – <laughs> it's just such a coincidence because if you've been listening to the show the last four episodes prior to this one, I mean, we've probably talked about Dan Crouch two or three times at least. And so it's, uh, you know, Kip told me before tonight's episode that uh, sure shooting Dan won. And, you know, I, I had said, well, gee, you think we should come up with some fake name on there so it doesn't sound like the first thing that we do involving the the public we uh we've got rigged that a friend of ours is going to win it and you know god's honest truth i uh i trust kip 100% on this one i think it was just simply the luck of the draw so that, Dan, that Dan, congratulations the very reason i took that picture of her drawing that name because she <laughs> i'm going to bother dc a little bit <laughs> pulled the name out of the box and opened it up and she said dan crotch <laughs> I said, okay, I, I don't think it's crouch, but it's, it's crouch. And so we took that picture uh, just as some evidence that it was indeed drawn out. It Because <laughs> my wife said, they're going to think that's rigged because you know DC. Uh, well, that's that's pretty funny. I, uh, I know Dan will appreciate those cigars an awful lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, at least, hey, if, you, uh, if you're going to send uh, one of those – those fabled risottos to somebody. It's nice that it's going to someone you know is gonna gonna smoke it, enjoy it, and probably even tell you a lot about that experience. Maybe we can get Dan to uh, write something up or something and and uh, send it on over to us to talk about. So, and you got uh, you got some giveaway duty yourself coming up. You want to give the details for that? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, in honor of our next live show that we're doing. Um, which is in, uh, obviously, the second Friday of every month, so the second Friday of April. April, um, April 8th, thank you. Um, no, I don't, I don't recall the date. Let's see. April the 12th, I guess, will be the next live show. April the 12th, okay. Just as I said, April the 12th. <laughs> um, in honor of our next live show, the cigar that we're smoking on uh, on that day, which is uh, a cigar recommended by Kip, one of his favorites, uh, which is the Tatuaje Mexican Experiment. Um, I'm going to have a little bit of a Tatuaje-themed giveaway here. Um, I'm going to ask the same thing of the listeners. Email Kip or I um, some comment about the show. Uh, good, bad, doesn't matter, or a question. Some sort of interaction. Just let us know you're listening. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um, one way or another about anything, and you'll be entered into the drawing. I will take on the uh, the horrendous act of having to pick out all the names, the thing that Kip hates to do. Um, but this one's going to be a little bit different. I, uh, I'm i not going to tell you specifically what you're going to get. It's just going to be some of the Tatuaje swag that's been given away over the years. Um, Kip has so graciously offered to uh, um, uh, include in the package 
um, one of the Tatuaje Mexican uh, Mexican experiment cigars for you to smoke along with us during that live show. Um, and uh, I'll throw in some other goodies in there as well myself. So uh, cigars, I mean. Uh, so it'll be it'll be a good package. You'll want to uh, participate. Send us a note, drop a line, and uh, we'll enter you in and, and get you ready. So the catch on this is I'm only going to accept emails up until next week's show. So just one week of time to enter this in. So that's going to give me the opportunity to uh, pull a winner. I think we'll even announce it next week. Why not? Um, we can uh, hopefully announce it next week. And then uh, what we can do is Kip will send me these cigars. I will get your uh, package of all the swag together. I'll send it out to you. You can have a week or two in the humidor with those cigars before uh, our live show, and uh, hopefully it'll then be in real good condition to smoke with us. So um, you only have one week. So the deadline is going to be next Friday at nine o'clock Eastern to get me um, to get me uh, an email or Kip an email about the show. So uh, let us know that anything you want, send it on over, and you'll be entered into this drawing. So it'll be a good one to win. Yeah, and, and th just a side note about those Mexican experiments. Those were a limited run. They did this past year uh, with a San Andres wrapper. Did a, a couple of regional releases. Uh, of a, Roughly only about 300 bundles of these things went out, uh, bundles of 15, uh, some into Florida and some in New England uh, in a couple of different states up there. And it, it is one of my top two favorite Tatawahes, and they are definitely hard to come by now. I'd be surprised if you saw them on the shelf um, still today because there were so few of them, uh, um, and they, they went quickly. Uh, but it's just a fantastic smoke. Well, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. I have not smoked that cigar uh, myself. So a month from now when we have that next live show, it'll be, uh, it'll be a first for me as well. So... Um, I'll do my uh, my epilogue review that's going to go up on Cigarmy, thecigarmy.com um, of that cigar, and uh, hopefully, uh, I know Kip took some notes about tonight's Eminencia. Hopefully, his review of the Eminencia will also make it up onto the Cigarmy. Yeah, um, I'll get that up this weekend. Terrific! So check that out. Uh, maybe read along to uh, read along Kip's review to uh, listen when you're listening to the. Produce version of uh, this week's show, and I think that you'll uh, you'll enjoy both those. All right. Well, anything uh, anything more to add about the Eminencia? I know you finished it off, and you know, nose okay. You don't have have to add anything, but uh, not a whole lot. And toward that end, you know, I said it, it, it developed that kind of walnut uh, flavor to it, and, and that was uh, tempered with some of that uh, sweeter kind of spice that we've talked about countless times. That uh, um, I don't know what I would call it. It, it was some uh, you call it baking spice. Me and Dale call it tropical spice. Just that uh, all spice ish, and, and I don't mean like all. I don't mean it tastes identical to all spice, but that's the the thing that it puts in my mind. It's that family of flavors or that palette of flavors uh, that that I, I really enjoy. Yeah, me too. I. Uh... I love that. It's probably my my favorite flavor to get out of a cigar, bar none. So I uh, I'm glad you're able to get a little bit of enjoyment out of this cigar, Kip. It 
wasn't as great of an experience experience as I thought it would be, but uh, nice to know that you did still enjoy it. So, yeah, and uh, moving right along as we wrap up here, um, I want to mention again if you have a suggestion for uh, an unbanded cigar, uh, for the time being, we're doing one of those a month. Uh, if if we start to get a backlog, uh, we'll certainly kind of step that up. Um, but you can uh, submit. Uh, your recommendations or suggestions to uh, info at thecigarme.com and again that doesn't go to either Craig or myself uh, that's a forwarding address that goes to my wife and uh, she'll uh, source the cigars for us or you can just send me an email if you want to send something in that maybe is not available locally for, for me or Craig I uh, just want to send the cigars you can uh, hit me with an email and I'll give you an address to send them to and uh, next week, our Cigar of the Week is another one of my submissions. It's the o- Oliva Siri V Maduro, uh, which is an annual release. They put those out somewhere around late November, early December every year. Yeah. I, uh, it, it's a very good cigar for me. I enjoy it and uh, always uh, stash several of those away uh, every year. And uh, I'm down now. I think all I have left is the 2011 and 12 at this point. Uh, and these that we're going to be smoking are the most recent ones uh, from just a couple of months ago. And I believe they, they appear to be identical to the 2011. They're, they're the same size, uh, same shape. Uh, they appear the same. They taste very much the same to what I remember. Uh, I haven't sat down and smoked one or two of them side by side. Uh, but uh, just a great smoke. And uh, what else we got to wrap up here? Well, I wanted to uh, to just kind of bookend that discussion of the unbanded uh, uh, suggestions to kind of say that, folks, if I can offer a bit of a, a suggestion, don't be afraid to um, maybe make that uh, submission into this week's contest, that email to me, uh, or Kip be um, about the unbanded segment. Remember, we, uh, we've kind of teased over the last few weeks a future goal that I have for that unbanded to maybe make it um, not so much unbanded in the sense that we don't know what the cigar is, but unbanded in the sense that um, we have the same cigar and we're doing a vertical review of it. We know what the cigar is, but we have multiple samples from different years or different releases, just like what Kip's talking about with this Oliva Serie V. There's a 2012 version, a 2011, and I could presume, based on what you implied, there's even previous versions to that as well. It would be very unique for an unbanded to be, excuse me, one of the unbanded episodes to be where we can talk about the vertical reviews of a number of different releases of the same cigar. So some unique things that I'm that I've kind of imagined. Maybe we could do a Tatuaje Monster release come the the second half of the year where we smoke a number of the monsters at once. Um, or we could do the Oliva Serie V, perhaps, with a number of different years. Or perhaps we look at a Cuban cigar, which has box codes, and you can very specifically pinpoint uh, either a certain factory or a certain month or a year of release of the same cigar. I'd love for a vertical release, excuse me, a vertical review to be able to be achieved to where maybe we could say, you know, I think this is the 2010 release, or I think this is a a six-year-old um, Partigas Serie D number four, and I think this one's the two-year-old Partigas Serie D number four. It's going to require some help from the audience, and I think that um, we might even be able to get enough samples to have an audience member or two participate with us. I think it would be kind of a fun thing if we could all 
make that a uh, nice participation thing. But don't be afraid to send uh, email suggestions or thoughts about uh, what we might be able to do. Um, you'll get your entrance into the uh, uh, into the contest, so it might be a cool way to kind of combine the two. So just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll chat a little bit once we uh, go offline here. But I may have some direction on sourcing all of the uh, Siri V Maduro offerings. Perfect. That might be a really, really cool way of doing that, definitely. And I think they go back to 2008, so that will be five years worth. That that would be really, really neat. I uh, I would be very interested in talking about that. So we uh, once again, we thank the uh, Cigar Federation guys for letting us uh, hang out on their site and uh, push this video out there and providing a chat room for us. And, uh, of course, we always recommend you... Uh, out there, uh, pump up that forum a little bit. I noticed there, there hadn't been a lot of activity recently in the forum. Well, they do have uh, a forum going, and you feel free to put up some questions, comments, uh, whatever you got going on with cigars, what you're smoking this week or this day or, or whatever. Uh, they got a lot of cool functionality there on the site that, uh, that that's there and free for the use. I know, uh, you know, Kip and I both check that site, and it's a neat place to to interact with us, perhaps a little bit. And um, you know, it uh, it is a great place to to be around like-minded individuals who are as passionate about this hobby and lifestyle as you are. So, give it a whirl. It's it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, and as always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get Craig at uh, his email is Craig at thecigarmy.com, and mine is Kip at thecigarmy.com, of course. And uh, plenty of information there if you want to get us some other way, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Cigar Federation, however you like. Uh, plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Well, ladies and gents, come to that time of the evening again where we need to sign off, and I need to tell you how much I appreciate uh, uh, a lot of the blessings in my life, and I need to, to say that, Alice, I really appreciate all you've done for me. So, ladies and gentlemen, have yourself a great evening, and uh, we really, really do appreciate you uh, participating with us, smoking along, enjoying uh, our evening uh, herf that we got going on here. So, folks, have yourself a great one, great night, and uh, go Blackhawks. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in.